Hi there, and welcome to Let's Slow Down, a podcast for all of you who feel tired and stressed from this overwhelming world. Here we'll have fun, inspiring conversations about living life on our own terms and explore ways to ease the pace of our modern world, because life really is good when you're relaxed enough to be present for it. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Stolting, and I welcome you to this space where I hope to inspire you to slow down because life is too short to let it go by in a blur. So take a deep breath, relax, and enjoy the show. Today's guest is Emily Geyser. We had a very interesting health conversation about how slowing down can actually fire up your metabolism. I also wanted to mention that I will link in the show notes some information about Emily's Sugar Shake Off. It's a free five-day online offering that I'm going to be participating in, and it's a good way to reset your health and relationship with sugar. So there will be info in the notes, and that starts on March 6th. Looking forward to seeing you there, and I hope that you enjoy our conversation today. Today, I have a new-ish friend of mine, Emily Geyser, on the show as our guest. Emily is an integrative health coach who works with busy women who describes themselves as exhausted and juggling too many balls. I've definitely been there. Her focus on women's health isn't measured by the number on the scale, but rather the radiance of your skin, the ease of your digestion, the resilience of your immune system, the harmony of your hormones and vibrancy in your head and heart. She works with women one-on-one and just recently started a podcast on topics of alternative health and wellness called You Do What. Hi, Emily. Thanks for coming today. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Yes, me too. Me too. You Do What, by the way. Explain. I know we've talked about it, but explain to everyone what it stands for. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense when you first <laughs> hear it. You Do What? <laughs> Yudawa is from this ancient word called eudaimonia, and I just discovered it. It means like the state of human flourishing and flourishing as it pertains to each person, which is a little bit unique to each individual. And that's a big part of what I believe in in wellness is that we all have a unique approach to what our own bodies and minds need. And so I just think eudaimonia is a perfect w- word for that. And eudaimonia, you to what? You know, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't give it the right intonation. The, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But it's a great word, and I feel like most people have never heard of it, which hence your title. But what an important theme that yeah. I feel like everyone should at least know what this word is. Yeah. <laughs> and keep it in the back of their mind. Like, okay, is this is this in line with my eudaimonia? Because it gets lost in the day to day in the busyness of our lives, in all of the things, the stress, the challenges that come up. I think this idea of flourishing and thriving is something that we don't really feel is attainable, maybe, or maybe Mm -hmm. not in like this stage of life. Maybe when things calm down, we can attain thriving, but who has time to thrive, right? We're so busy just trying to, I don't know what. Yeah. Yeah. That this, to keep up, exactly. Keep our head above water, keep up with everything and the flourishing and the thriving. I actually, I love all of the words, all of these beautiful adjectives in your bio, radiance, ease, resilience, harmony, vibrancy, flourishing, thriving. These, these are wonderful words, words that are to me, the true picture of a life 
well-lived and healthy and the things that we strive for. But I, I would bet that a lot of people don't describe themselves using these types of adjectives. It's more what you mentioned in the beginning, you know, women who are exhausted, juggling too many balls. Those are the words when, when we say, say to a friend we run into in the store, hey, how are you? Generally, those things come to mind. I don't, totally. I've never had a girlfriend in, in the grocery store be like, oh, you know, I'm feeling so resilient and harmonious and vibrant. Like, wow. And if somebody said that, you'd think, she's nuts. What, what's she on right now? You know? Isn't that wild? My yes. vision is that we can all like feel like it's attainable. I mean, yes. we have so much agency in our own flourishing. We really do when we give it time and the attention it deserves. And then if we can come together in community, especially as women, and support each other instead of being like, God, she's crazy. How does she feel good? Right? More like, awesome. You feel good. Let's like share that around. Yes. Yeah. I think we're really meant to heal and thrive in community. I agree. It's unbelievable. I'm just picturing what that person might look like if I ran into her, you know, and yeah. it's not the typical thing that we see at this point. And it, is too bad because we all deserve that. And like you said, it it can be attainable if we yeah. take a safe step back and work on these things and just take a minute to kind of be more mindful. And as you said, we have so much agency in these choices, but we have to be mindful enough to be making those, right? If we're just on that hamster wheel, then, yeah. then life's just happening to us. So it takes a minute to pause and say, like, what are just some small what are just some small tweaks I could do? Like, what's a one percent change I could make today to feel better? Yes. Yes. And do you have any tips? Uh, What would be your easiest something that everybody could you know finish listening to this today and go work on this one easy thing that they could start doing right now? That's a great question. I am never going to suggest it's easy because I think whenever we are consciously making a change, it doesn't necessarily feel easy, but I do think it can be very simple. Um, Like that. And and you and I have talked in the past about how there's not just one thing for everybody. Mm -hmm. So when I talk to my clients, like if I were to talk to five different people right now, each person's one thing would be different. Do you know? See, yeah. But for the sake of answering this, or maybe even a couple, I would imagine there's some frequent offenders that might come up. Yeah, for sure. I take a very food first approach in in my wellness because what we eat is the one thing we do every day that has the most power over our biology. We can impact all those things you read, our hormones, our digestion, our immune system, our mood, all with food. So that, you know, making small, simple tweaks there goes a very long way. Getting great sleep, that backs up to like a whole sleep hygiene, right? Mm -hmm. So getting great sleep is huge. And checking in with and being really a master of our mindset. We have, I think they say like 70,000 thoughts a day and 80% of them are negative and they're on autopilot. So we are just constantly filling our mind and mood with negativity. And learning how to shift that makes a huge impact on our well-being and our flourishing and sense of thriving. It's really powerful. And I've gotten better at catching myself with those those negative thoughts. And 
I notice they start like from the second you open your eyes. I feel like, yeah. you know, I get up. I always have to go to the bathroom. So go to the bathroom. But you look in the mirror. It's um, so you know, bags under my eyes, almost constant, and not even conscious that we're doing it. You know, they just sort of happen. How do we reframe those? That okay. can be really hard. First thing, you're not aware of yeah. anything, right? Yeah. I heard something recently, actually, it's been a while, and, and I've practiced it and shared it with people, and it's simple. You don't have to engage too much, but if you wake up first thing, put, while you're still in bed, put your hand on your heart to say, good morning, Anne-Marie, I love you, to yourself. The calming effect it has over your whole body is just amazing. A gentle word to ourself, a positive word. And of course, that can spread out. There's things you can do. I have a million tips that you can do all day mm -hmm. long to remind yourself to stay in a more positive mindset. And by that, I don't mean that you're not aware of the problems. There's a lot of problems in the world. And maybe, you know, we're each going through our own struggles. And it's really important to be honest about those. Mm -hmm. But it's these like unconscious thoughts, the 80,000 that are just, you know, you're not thinking about those 70 or 80,000 thoughts each day. You might be thinking about 20. Right. 50 at best, right? So it's more just taking care of the autopilot thoughts. Yes, the autopilot. It's hard to wrap our mind around the fact that there could be that many thoughts. It's hard to think about that many thoughts. Right. <laughs> and this is this is where it can get sneaky and impact so much of our wellness. So like just for example, imagine that you're in kind of having this like negative dialogue happening in your mind mm -hmm. and you're on this hamster wheel going, going, going all day. And it's time like you're starving because maybe you didn't eat breakfast or 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 whatever's happened. There's a number of things that could happen that would la land you at noon or one o'clock in the afternoon. Absolutely starving. Sure. And so you quickly put something together or just open the fridge, maybe have your phone out scrolling, shoving food in your face pretty quickly because, right, there's a lot to do. Who has time to like really give it a moment? Yep. Slow down. <laughs> yes. And that alone impacts our path to wellness because I'll break it down a little bit for you. There's like when we are in an anxious state, our it's, you know, it's what they call like fight or flight. It's just how it's generally mm -hmm. called, right? And this is kind of when we're just hyper aware of all the stuff that's happening. Cortisol is rushing through our bodies from our head down. Our body doesn't know, like, if there is that tiger chasing us or if there's just annoying traffic. Like, you know, the body's in this full, like, in a lot of ways, shutdown mode. A lot of things, important functions are shut down because you just need to be able to, like, take flight. That includes digestion, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say you're on this health kick. And this is why I don't give one piece of advice to everybody because not everybody lives in this constant state of rush. But a lot of people do. Mm -hmm especially as women, yep. like you could be being really intentional to eat the healthiest food. But actually, when you're in that state, which is the opposite of rest and digest, like it's the opposite of the parasympathetic nervous system being activated. When you're in that state, your body actually cannot absorb the nutrients, the same amount of nutrients that are available normally if you were calm. So you're eating this, like, let's say you just have this like gorgeous salad full of like all these colors of fruits and vegetables. You're not getting nearly what you could if you took a moment to shift and be more in a calm state. Wow. It's wild, right? It's, it's wild. And I honestly never have heard that before. And I've read quite a few health books, yeah. uh, nutrition books, 
diet books and you had mentioned this idea to me of mindful eating not too long ago. And you said, yeah, rest and digest. And I, I immediately took that as, <clears throat> okay, eat the salad, eat the meal, and then take that time. It's like what we would be told when we were little, right? What do you got to wait 20 minutes before you can go run around after you eat that kind of right, thing. And right. that's what I was thinking of. Like, okay, yeah. take a little time to rest after you eat, let your food digest. And you said, oh, it goes way beyond. So like I said, this is, this is really new to me and I want to hear more. <laughs> So tell us. Yeah. So us in. <laughs> just the act of slowing down actually fires up your metabolism. What? And, yeah. <laughs> the while you eat, right? So your metabolism is much more than just calories in, calories out. Your metabolism impacts your immune system, your endocrine system, your nervous system. It covers everything. Your metabolism can free itself and rev up when you're calm and you don't have cortisol running through your body. Cortisol really impacts our metabolic health. It just brings everything to like a slow sludge of a standstill. It impairs all these pieces. So it is it's something that's not talked about very much. I mean, I did learn about it in my health coach training. That's where I really dove into that information and have since really taken to it because I think there's something really to that. But I also noticed that there's an interest in our society of keeping us busy. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's built yes, into capitalism. Is. Yeah, this is like <laughs> keeping us busy. So I just don't think it's widely talked about, but the science is there and it's, I think it's absolutely fascinating. So some things that you can do that are simple, and I say maybe not easy because you'd have to like put a reminder on your phone probably or sticky notes around. I mean, that's like some of my biggest tips for my clients mm -hmm. on all these things is like write it down and make sure it's popping up in front of you because when you're changing any habit, right, you have to remember, you have to be reminded yes. constantly yes. to change it. Honestly, just taking like one minute to take like three deep breaths before you put food into your face is a great idea. Okay. You can shift your biology that way. You can shift like the hormones that are going out and the chemicals that are going out by telling yourself that you're calm and relaxed. And deep breathing does that. We tend to, when we're rushed, have very shallow breathing. Mm -hmm. Shallow bre breathing tells us that we are in an anxious state. And when we are in an anxious state, we shallow breathe. So it's just this like cyclical reinforced yep. thing that we just breathe very shallowly. And so just literally bringing your breath down into your belly a few times while you're eating makes a world of difference. The other thing, and I, this is, I'm saying this to myself as well, because this is, a, I feel like it's a bad habit that I'd like to change, but is when I'm, I work from home and I am by myself at lunch. So when I have lunch, too often my phone is in front of me and I am scrolling. And I have learned recently that when we scroll, we tend to hold our breath. And I've noticed that behavior within myself. I so, have to pay attention. I've never, I've never noticed it before, but the, there's so many things that we do. We don't realize we're doing. Right. So true. Right. So either like consciously deep breathe and scroll and eat <laughs> <laughs> or just put the phone away and yeah. just practice like being with your food for the 10, 15, 20 minutes it takes to eat lunch. I'm a pretty quick eater. I can eat it quickly. And part of this is like slowing down a bit, noticing the flavors, noticing the texture and just being with the food for however long it takes. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I did read something recently. I think it's kind of in line with what you're saying now in regards to smoothies. So I'm not sure if you're a fan, but they said 
Well, if you're eating, let's just say you have five whole foods that you're putting into your smoothie. If you think about how long it would take to maybe sit down and eat that banana and then the celery and the whatever it is that you're putting in the nuts, if you eat them all separately, one by one, it would take you longer than if you blended them together. And then, you know, most likely you're taking Slurp your, sm- yeah. yes, in the car, on the phone, whatever yeah. it is that you're doing mm-hmm. on the go, go, go. So interestingly, I had read that, let's say you decide it's going to take you 15 minutes to eat those five foods separately. If you take that 15 minutes to drink the smoothie, it's handled by your body completely differently and it makes you fuller. And I thought that stuck with me because I'm thinking, well, isn't it a banana, a banana, like same difference, but apparently it's not. So I guess that kind of goes in line with what you're saying with just slowing down, right? Yeah, I think that has a lot to do with transit time. There is just transit time with certain foods, right? And so that is a part of the reason why they say, they say like wherever this came from, like Mm -hmm. to wait 20 minutes before you decide if you want more food. Mm -hmm. Have you heard that? Like if you eat and you're still hungry, give yourself a minute because it just hasn't moved into your stomach. So I imagine it's a similar piece with the smoothie, which you could drink in like very quickly. Right. 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 And then be like, now I'm hungry. Now I want to go on to my next thing. Going to eat more. And I think they even said it would hold you over longer if you took a little longer eating it. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that, you know, the big takeaways don't don't shove your food down. Don't shovel it. I read something, too, about obviously not with a smoothie, but just about chewing your food more. Does that help? you chew it more times or something? Yes, of course, because you're getting your saliva is there to help break down your food so that your body is much more able to access the nutrients for it as it's transitioning all the way down where it needs to go. So if there's these just huge lumps going through, it's harder for it to get everything it needs to from it. That's we're giving our we're giving our whole body a message by chewing that we're eating, that it's time to be absorbing like our bodies are these amazing machines, mm-hmm. but we can't just kind of like bulldoze past their needs, right? We need to kind of understand the machine, which right. I don't think we're often not taught about it. And it's not no. until we have a problem that we're stuck trying to figure out like, okay, so how does this machine work? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's always just done what it needs to do. Now what? Yes. Right? So we really take it for granted. Yeah. That yeah, it's so just going to keep going. And, and a lot of times there'll be a really subtle issue with digestion or just something isn't certain foods don't sit well with everybody yeah and you know if it's not like this crazy huge anaphylactic reaction a lot of times we might not realize we might not ever realize or it might take us a really long time to realize so are there along these same lines is, is there certain signs to look for as we eat more mindfully with like how we should feel after we eat? Yeah, for sure. That's a really good question. I think what you want to look for is that you have even energy after you eat. There's not a huge slump where you need to take a nap. You're you're not running to the bathroom mm-hmm. with an emergency. You don't have bloat afterwards. Another one is like headaches shortly thereafter or uh-huh. headaches at all. What does the huge slump mean? That happens to me sometimes. If you eat a meal and you feel tired. Yeah, well, some food is just heavy, mm-hmm. right? Like, But generally what it means is that you overloading your body in a way it can't quite keep up and sustain the energy for the full day. You're, you are meant to like have good, strong, even energy for the full day. So I think wherever you notice that that's not happening, there are tweaks to be made. And it might be the timing of your food. It might be 
your sleep routine Mm -hmm. at night. It might be like that actual meal that you ate. But I think there is something, if I get into a pattern where every afternoon I'm exhausted, I definitely, I'm one to read the signs in my body. I don't just like medicate everything that happens, Mm -hmm. right? So I could just plow through my fatigue with green tea Mm -hmm. or coffee. But I also like, like to interpret it and say, okay, so what's happening here? What do I need to look at? And seasons do it like this is a quieter time, yeah. right? So it's about shifting to all that. You know, our hormones are changing throughout a course of 28 days. That could be a huge part of it. So right. really just learning how, what the communication signals are from our body and how to respond to them. Because if there is a time that you're having a slump continuously, there is something there that would benefit you to fix not just your energy, but your overall wellness. And you really need to take that time to slow down and look at the big picture yep. and figure out what what is, everything's connected, right? So what exactly. pieces to this puzzle are missing or maybe need to be tweaked. I love that. It's, it's important to remember that it might not just be the food that we're eating. It's a little bit of all of it. So much. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That balance. Yeah. But generally, so you're kind of saying if we're, if we're eating in a way that is serving us, if we're kind of functioning in a way that's serving us, we should feel pretty even all day in terms of our energy yes, and our mood. I mean, I know so many things can affect mood, but we should feel pretty even, right? We should feel pretty even. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. So let's say getting close to dinner and we're starving. Obviously, yeah, try to eat, move up dinner, eat a little earlier, but does that maybe mean that we're not eating enough maybe at breakfast or lunch to sort of get us through, to keep us supported until that later time of the day? So again, I would say this is very individual. I'll tell mm-hmm. you what happens in my household. My husband owns his own practice and doesn't get home till like 6.30 at best. Sometimes it's closer to 7. I personally would prefer to eat dinner at like 5.30. That's mm-hmm. when I am naturally hungry. So I start cooking dinner at 5.30 And then we eat dinner at like 6.30 whenever he gets home because we do family meal night is important to me. And we do that every night. So we just wait. And I say this because like I've had to deal with this. I'm cooking dinner during a time where I'm starving. I'd rather be eating. (laughs) Right. But you can imagine that takes a lot of different. Yes. Even just smelling it. And I mean, sometimes I eat a whole meal before I sit down to eat the meal just in like (laughs) munching on all the stuff I'm making. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think a lot of it has to do with like your body's natural rhythm and when you're hungry. Like in my case, to me, it's not like a sign that I'm not eating enough at lunch. It's more just like I really want to be eating earlier, you know, mm-hmm. and I have to figure out my own like workarounds for that. Got it. However, let's say you eat what you think is a really balanced, healthful size lunch and three or four hours later you're starving. There are that's information for you that okay. something is not working because it should you you can sustain it. So often it's your blood sugar is dropping, mm-hmm. which is making you hungry, right? And there are reasons that our blood sugar drops. But it could also be you're transitioning out of your work day, out of kids coming home from school. Those can signal hunger. Like we get kind of anxious and there's some unrest when there's transition. And right. it sends some of us to the pantry, I'll just say. Uh-huh. <laughs> that after school snack, right? I mean, there's so many times totally. like... 3.30 comes, I'm not hungry, but they right. all get home. The kids get home and they go right to the pantry. It's yes. Like, I have to always be like, at least just wash your hands first. You're jumping into all the food. 
And then I find myself picking along with them. I yep. know I'm not hungry. Right. I know I'm not. Yeah. But I have to be better about reminding myself that and yes. maybe asking myself, why are you eating right now? Another thing that we confuse with hunger is boredom. And so that's another thing that might come up where you feel like you're hungry and it's good to ask yourself, like, am I hungry or am I bored? The total opposite of the mindful eating, right? The mindless eating. Yes. Just... When I've run clean eating programs with groups of people, so leading a group, you kind of have to give general directions. And I'm not one for at all limiting calories, but I am one for becoming mindful. So just tuning into why you're doing things. And like some tips that I give are when you first become hungry, just notice what you're really asking for. Is it your mind that's hungry? It's wanting something? Or is it actually in your belly? Those feel very different. And try moving your body. Like if you have a rebounder or can like, act, you know, invigorate your body, dance, you can really shift the energy. Have a big glass of water. That shifts the energy. If after that you're still hungry, then you're hungry. Right. But at least try other things. If you're, if you're wanting to like pay attention to your hunger cues, try other things and see like, I think it's good to learn why hunger shows up for us. Yes. And I've noticed with the water and I do drink a lot of water, but I think a lot of times thirst can feel like hunger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you do feel so much better. And that's, that's something quick and easy. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, actually I'm fine. I yeah. feel a lot better. Man, hydration. That was one of the things when you were asking me, like my one thing, <laughs> I yeah. drew it to my <laughs> list of three. Yep. Hydration was almost right there. On a different day, I, it may have been my number one. Yeah. Well, you know, having these little tools that we can turn to that are accessible to everybody that you can do at work, you can do at home and can have your kids do. I feel like those are the little nuggets that are so important because adding a few of them, picking the ones that serve you best on that particular day can make such a huge difference overall. And they are doable. Yeah. And for the listeners who are parents, starting to have these conversations with your kids are some of the best things you can do. Just help them start becoming aware of why are they eating? I think that we can be scared to talk about food with kids because we don't want to create issues. Right. However, giving them really good tools about tuning into themselves and the power of food is far from giving them an issue. It's actually giving exactly. them a tool. And I think exactly. That's really important. Educate them on, on everything. I think you're right. I think a lot of us, especially when we have daughters, you want to be so careful about how you talk about food because obviously you want them to have a healthy body image and have a healthy relationship with food. But yes. We can come from a certain approach where yeah. giving them information is is huge. And then it means more too. Like, well, <laughs> the science says this. It's not mom thinks I, you know, might yes. want to cut back on <laughs> on the chips or whatever. So coming from that that place of this is what the health coaches say, this is what the do this is what the doctors say, this is what yep. the books say. Exactly. Super <laughs> important. And and really this is what our body says, right? It's what yes. our body's telling us. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us, I think, just kind of one of our coping tools is, is like really separating from our bodies, right? Mm -hmm. Most of us, if we're women, grew up not really in great relationship with our bodies. And then we're parenting from that place, too. Yep. So I think it's like a very important area to explore our own issues so that we are not passing them along and we're being really mindful and conscious of what we are passing 100%. along. Yeah, yeah, it's really important. And it can make a huge difference, especially passing it along to them when they're younger, they are going to just grow up differently. They're yes. not going to have to relearn some of these habits. Yes. Along with all of these routines and mm -hmm. habits that we've talked about, what 
does your morning routine look like? What's a health coach's morning routine look like? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. First of all, I will just say I love mornings. It is my favorite time of day. And my routine has grown. Each year I've added those on. So when I say this, I feel a little bit like, oh gosh, don't don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> and just doing one thing, like I think literally if you don't have a routine and tomorrow you start with your hand on your heart and say good morning to yourself and you love yourself, that is a phenomenal first start. Huge. Yeah. That I would bet a lot of people aren't, aren't doing, me included. No, of course. Yes. Yeah, I don't do it every morning either, but it's a fantastic way to start the day. What I do that is really important to me So I've studied Ayurveda for a long time, and I incorporate a lot of Ayurvedic practices into what I do. So I do start my morning by splashing my face with cold water. That's an Ayurvedic practice. I also use a tongue scraper and scrape my tongue, another Ayurvedic practice. Then I go downstairs and drink a glass of lemon water. I get out my mat. And I just move my body the way I want to for a very short time, five or 10 minutes, just to kind of drop into my body, check in. How are we doing? What needs attention today? It's just a nice, quiet time. I then journal, which I incorporate my gratitude practice into my journaling. And then my, my last kid who's home comes down and we do breakfast together. I make her breakfast and we hang out for a bit, get her out the door for high school. And then I meditate and I just, my new thing that I've started adding in this year is giving myself 15 minutes in the morning to read. I always read at night before bed, like, Mm -hmm. um, and that used to, I love reading personal development, but I also like reading fiction. I leave my nighttime now for my fiction and I do my personal development in the morning and that has been lovely. I love reading and that's been a really nice addition. All that happens like so quickly. Oh, And then I'll head out and do my actual, like, the exercise piece of that. Okay. Then I shower, I start my day. It all happens, like, by 9 a.m. I'm at my computer, or I could be there earlier if I wanted to. But it is, it feels like a long list, but it doesn't really have to take that long, you know? Okay, yeah, yeah. What time do you normally get up? Do you have a a set wake-up time, or do you kind of let your body naturally get up? Yeah, my body naturally gets up, and it does so between, like, 5.30 and 6. Okay. Without an alarm? Without an alarm. That's amazing. That's always been me. That's great. So that really means that that's... That's my rhythm. Yeah, it's your natural rhythm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. My lights will be out at 10 at night. That's just like when I can be true to myself, that's my So being consistent, being consistent with that. Yeah. I mean, even when I was in college and I would go out, you know, I'd go to bed at two or three in the morning and I would be up at six. You would. Like, yeah. So you are a true morning person. I am. I'm really <laughs> a true morning person and I love it, but it feels much better to wake up when I've had enough sleep, you yeah, know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. I've started doing the same thing with the reading in terms of the self-improvement kind of stuff in the morning and then the fiction at night. Yeah. I used to kind of do all, all nonfiction. It's a nice treat. I know a lot of a lot of people like to watch shows before bed. I would much rather have a really good fiction book than yes. reading at night. And then that's my treat before bed. And Are you reading a good one right now? I just started Emily Giffen's new book, and I can't even think of the title. I literally just started it last night, but it's good. So far, cool. so good. Awesome. Yeah. If it's too good, I have to 
set something on my phone because I can, well, then you, I could end up staying up way too late. Really? <laughs> yeah. I have to watch. Sometimes if it's a really good book, I'm like, okay, maybe I should read this story of the day. Cause I uh-huh. know I'm going to be up till two o'clock in the morning yeah. trying to finish it, but it is a nice way to end the day. Just yeah. something fun and mindless and relaxing. Totally. So along those lines of relaxing, what does slowing down look like to you in a nutshell? How would you describe mm. slowing down? Well, I took the word busy out of my my language, my usage a Love couple it. Of years ago. Just, yeah. And I noticed, and so now I've been reflecting on like when I feel busy or rushed, if I need to feel that or if it's just a habit, there's something very satisfying and productive feeling in being busy. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be busy. I want to be productive and like, a, you know, I want to have a fulfilling life and give back to society. But feeling like rushed and busy is not at all my goal. So I look to the places where that, I, that can feel just like ugh, annoying. And one of the places, for example, is with like cooking dinner. Let's just say that time mm-hmm. that you're getting home. Yes. For all the activities and you've got to throw something together. I really like to bring intention to that time being a joyful time. I love cooking and I like to just drop into an easier time with it rather than feel pissed at it because then I don't want to do it and the energy is so bad. And like I said, we value a family dinner. There's nothing worse than sitting down at the table feeling annoyed with everybody. (laughs) Resentful. (laughs) What are some ways that you make it fun and joyful? Okay, well, I made a like cooking dinner playlist so I've had really good music on these are all like phases of things that I've done I this I'd like to do this again actually I used to have a candle in my kitchen I would just light the candle before I cooked as more just like okay we're starting this time you know Mm -hmm. so like crashing into it like there I go starting this time I love to plan ahead I found it very useful to plan ahead and know what I'm cooking when I walk into the kitchen and if I can have 45 minutes to just be with myself and do that. That's my dream. Good stuff. It doesn't always work that way, right? Right. But, it does not. Yeah. <laughs> but even something as simple as taking one of those things, the planning does help. And I'm the I'm with you. On, I don't love the planning of it, but it is so useful and it does make it so much easier. And it, it just lets it flow rather than have no plan and not have the right ingredients and be extra frazzled come dinner time. I was just thinking about something as you were talking that I haven't actually thought through. So this is like real rough draft. But I think part of the cortisol and rush with being rushed is what our mindset is when we're rushed is resentful, annoyed, irritated. And so even when there's a lot to do, like let's say you do crash into your kitchen, you've got to get food on the table in like 20 or 30 minutes. There, you have a choice right then, speaking of like having agency over your yeah. own well-being, you have a choice to sit there and like rah, 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 in your head the whole time you're cooking it, right? Or to tap into gratitude and be grateful that you have the food that you're cooking, to be grateful that you have a roof on your shelter where you are cooking, to be grateful if this is your case, that you're not like hearing bombs and other awful things happening in your environment, right? Like we have so much to be grateful for. And it's not necessarily about going slower because things can be very full. 
but it's about our attitude during it that I think really impacts like how we handle it. I love that. That's beautiful. And it can make all the difference. And it can be as simple as put on a fun song and change your mood in an yeah. instant. Yeah. And if you have to cook it anyway, right. might as well. Might as well enjoy it. Yeah, might as well right? enjoy it. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like that can go for so many other things in life too, right? There's things that as adults, as parents, we do, we have to do them. Whether we like to do them or not, some things have to be done. Yeah. They just do. So changing that mindset of just letting the overwhelm and exhaustion or tired or just, just the moment get to us and for sure. trying to recognize that, take a step back and recognize that and try to switch the mindset. It's only going to help. And we owe it to ourselves because if we're going to do those things anyway, like you said, make them fun. Just don't make it so much of a chore. Exactly. And as people are listening to this, having compassion around how you've been in the past and how you can be in the future, right? Because we can really beat ourselves up about like, oh God, I can't believe I'm so mean to myself yes. all the time. You know? Yes. Yeah. Then go down and, that rabbit hole. <laughs> exactly. Right. And just notice that these conversations that you're bringing on your podcast are just room for curiosity and mm -hmm. like openness and trying new things and seeing what works for each person, I think. Absolutely. Well, I know this conversation is going to help a lot of people. Awesome. Thank you. You have yeah. so many amazing tips to share and your insight. I'm definitely going to be looking into it even more because when you said the act of slowing down fires up your metabolism, I feel like, <laughs> like, like wait, what? <laughs> what? There's the title of the podcast oh, episode, there, I right? So. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of mind blowing and it's yeah. probably new information for a lot of people. So thank you, Emily. Thanks for having you, me on. It's been absolutely. Fun. It's been a pleasure. So why don't you tell everybody, I'm sure they're going to be wanting to connect with you and, and definitely listen to Emily's podcast. It's a lot of fun, a lot of interesting stuff on there for sure. So where can we find you? Thank you. Okay. So the podcast is called You to What? And I think that Emery will link it in her show notes, yes, but I it's will. anywhere you can listen to podcasts. It's three different words. You, duh, what? And my website is my name, emilygeiser.com. Also on Instagram under that same name. I'd love to connect with people. Right. Definitely. And I will put everything in the show notes, all the information so people can find you. So thank you so much for being here today, Emily. Have a wonderful day. Awesome. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and have been inspired to slow down and start living life at your own pace. As a brand new podcast, your listener voice matters. If Let's Slow Down is resonating with you, please take a minute to leave a review and rate us. Subscribe to the show wherever you listen and share it with friends. Remember, this is a process, so go easy on yourself. Be gentle and take all the space you need to thrive because the world needs you to be at your best, to love and serve others and yourself. 